Chapter fifteen of Habits That Handicap. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Thomas Kuz Kuzmarski. Habits That Handicap by Charles B. Towns. Chapter fifteen Appendix The Relation of Alcohol to Disease by Alexander Lambert, MD, visiting physician to Bellevue Hospital, Professor of Clinical Medicine, Cornell University, author of Hope for the Victims of Narcotics. In the simple heading of the subject matter of this article, there are contained such possibilities of facts and fancies truths and errors and wide differences of opinion that it seems wise to define not only its meaning but some of the words themselves what is disease to many people it is a definite concrete thing which seizes one in its clutches holds one captive or possesses one for a second time and then if overcome releases its grip and one is freed and in good health again but disease is not an entity even though some agents as bacteria are living organisms it is the lack of some processes which these agents overcome and others which they set in motion as manifested by disturbances of various functions of different organs in the body that make up some of our diseases our bodies are often in a state of delicate equilibrium and if some one gland fails to secrete or secretes too abundantly the resulting condition may become a disease as health is a harmonious relationship between the various functions of different parts of the body so disease is a disturbance of this harmony the question of the relation of alcohol to disease becomes a question as to whether or not this narcotic if taken into the body can react on the various tissues and organs of the body to such a degree as to disturb the equilibrium of health and furthermore can this disturbance of healthy equilibrium be permanent and the body acquire a lasting diseased condition how it affects different men alcohol is classified here as a narcotic and not a stimulant because we shall see later that alcohol is rather a paralyzer of functions even when it seems to stimulate than a producer of increased output from any organ the time-honored idea that alcohol is a stimulant and that if used in moderation it is a tonic is so ingrained in the average mind that it is with the greatest difficulty that men can be made to realize that even in what seems moderate does it may injure them 
this is especially true as one sees men who all their lives have indulged moderately in alcoholic beverages from which seemingly no harm has resulted the truth perhaps is best summed up by the old adage that what is one man's meat is another man's poison and there is no question that the effects of alcohol in small or moderate doses is vastly different from its effects in large doses or in long continued excessive use different human beings react differently to similar amounts of alcohol and conversely identical amounts of alcohol will affect different individuals in different ways even when it poisons all of them for instance if alcohol sets different processes in motion which bring about damage to the individual we find that in some persons it has injured the heart and arteries in others it has affected the liver or stomach leaving the brain and nervous tissues free from damage while in still others the body in general seems to be untouched and the brain and nervous tissues suffer the injuries it is not uncommon to see a man who has partaken freely of alcoholic beverages all his life with neither he nor his friends conscious that his intellect has suffered or deteriorated thereby to find suddenly that his circulatory and digestive systems are seriously and permanently damaged on the other hand many a drunkard has become a burden to his family and the community with his personality deteriorated his intellect rendered useless while his circulation and digestion remain unimpaired and he lives long years a nuisance and a burden to his environment since i have made the distinction between moderation and excess in the use of alcohol it will be well to define what is regarded as excess and what moderation in order that the effects of both may be considered physiologic excess it seems to me has been best defined by a brilliant frenchman named duclos who says that any one has drunken alcohol to excess when one hour after he has taken it is conscious in any way of having done so if after a drink of any alcoholic beverage has been taken wine whiskey or whatever it may be an hour later we feel ourselves flushed tongue loosened or if we are heavy and drowsy or if we find our natural reserve slightly in abeyance if the judgment is not as sternly accurate as before partaking of the beverage 
if the imagination is unusually active and close consecutive reasoning not as easy as before if we think we do our work much better but next morning realize we haven't accomplished quite as much or done it as well as we expected then we have shown a physiologic excess intake of alcohol and an amount which if continued will produce damage somewhere in the body moderation in the use of alcohol means that it be taken in amounts of which one remains unconscious this may seem a narrow and hard line to draw and may seem to confine the amount of alcohol that may be consumed to much less than many people wish to indulge in how much in actual amount this should be with any given individual depends upon that individual alone and no one can be a law to any other individual than himself if a man be engaged in severe manual labor or muscular exercise he can consume more alcohol without detriment than when leading a sedentary life although the character of the work that he will do may not be as good as if no alcohol were taken the moderate use of alcohol the above definition however must suffice we must fix some standard between moderation and excess and the more accurately we define moderation the more narrowly do we confine it judge by the above standard alcohol taken in moderate doses does not seem more than to stimulate the digestive processes of the stomach increase the flow of blood through the heart increase the circulation in the periphery and skin dilate the capillaries and make it easier for the circulation to complete its cycles when absorbed into the body in such doses it can act as a food and in fact as much as is burnt up by the body does act as a food although it differs from other foods in that it is never stored up it can replace in energy giving properties sugars or fats and being burnt up by the body can give out the equivalent of sugar and fat in muscular energy and heat generated and given out by the body its effect is similar to that obtained by sugar and fats which are taken up by the body when needed and in the amounts requisite to the body at the moment and it seems to be treated as far as can be seen as other foods for fuel but it is not an economical fuel because the human organism does not perform its work as well as when there is no alcohol in the ration simultaneously when being consumed as food it is exerting its drug action 
in this process it is the more easily available and thus the sugar and fats are stored up while the alcohol is burnt up it spares the fat consumption often causing an increase of bodily weight through the putting on of fat to those who are accustomed to its use it seems also to spare the protein consumption of the body but to those unaccustomed to its use it has the opposite effect increasing the destructive breaking down of proteins danger signals unheeded moderate indulgence in alcoholic beverages adds to the pleasures of existence with a great many men and while it seems to increase their pleasures and broaden the extent of their mental experiences it cannot be said to increase their powers of accurate mental activity though it temporarily increases the imaginative flow of ideas it relieves the feeling of both body and mental fatigue for the time being in effect which may be an advantage or may be a distinct disadvantage for fatigue is nature's warning when to stop and if we dull ourselves to this feeling and leave the warning unheeded we may easily go on to harmful excesses of overwork and overexertion it is doubtful if the moderate drinking of alcohol as we have defined moderation sets in motion processes which may so disturb the equilibrium of the body as to cause disease broadly speaking the excessive use of alcohol injures the body in two ways it injures the functional cells of the different organs for alcohol is distinctly a cellular poison and it further disturbs the nutrition of the organs by its injurious action on the blood vessels which supply nutrition to the various parts of the body whether to replace the destroyed cells or as a result of the congestion there is also an increase in the connective tissue framework of the various organs the action of alcohol on the circulation is one of the earliest effects which is shown after it is taken into the body the flushing of the skin is a beginning paralysis of the minute capillary blood vessels if habitually indulged in the effect is a continuous dilation of the vessels although it seems for a while in the early stages that there is a toning up of the circulation yet excessive indulgence brings with it always a lowering of the blood pressure and finally the chronic congestions in the internal viscera the action of the heart at first is to make it beat fuller and stronger but if continued the effect is also one of paralysis of its muscle and a diminution of the output of work done and finally it is a paralyzer of the heart's action in some persons 
through its injury to the cardiac blood vessels and intrinsic muscle of the heart it sets in motion these morbid processes which result in angina pectoris beginning with the stomach we find that when alcohol is taken in excess it not only disturbs the processes of digestion that are then going on if it is taken in greater amount than five percent of the stomach content but it also acts directly on the mucous membrane producing an irritant action we have formed here a chronic congestion of the mucous membrane which produces swollen cells and the digestive glands of the stomach produce an excess of mucus which interferes with digestion and the resulting congestion interferes with the gastric secretions it ends in producing a swollen inflamed mucous membrane often with hemorrhages these processes may go on to an atrophic form of gastritis in which the mucous membrane may be so atrophied that it is unable to secrete sufficient gastric juice the acid of the gastric juice combining with certain substances in the intestine is one of the stimulants which causes the production of the pancreatic secretion the pancreas not only digests meats and other proteids but it changes starch into sugar and also has a fat splitting ferment thus we see the pancreatic digestion is a most important function and as much more in the digestive work than the stomach when therefore the acids of the gastric juice are lacking there is an insufficient stimulus to the pancreas to pour out its complex juices and complete digestion the attack upon the liver alcohol is so rapidly absorbed from the stomach and the upper intestine that it does not as a rule produce much change in the small intestines the absorption of the digested food from the intestinal tract by alcoholics when recovering from a debauch is greater than normal provided they have ceased from alcohol the absorbing powers of the intestine remain a long time and is the reason that so many alcoholics appear so well nourished the acids of the gastric juice also stimulate the excretion of bile from the liver and combining with the same ferment the secretion being taken up by the blood stimulates the liver to an increased secretion of bile if therefore one has so injured the stomach with the taking of alcohol that the mucous membrane is unable to secrete a proper gastric juice it is readily seen that the proper stimulation to the liver and the pancreas are lacking and the equilibrium of the entire digestive process of the body is upset the blood from all the intestines goes directly to the liver the circulation of this organ being so arranged 
that the blood must filter through and bathe the liver cells before it is gathered into a central vein and returns into the general circulation in fact the liver is the great chemical laboratory of the body and the complex processes that go on there are as yet but little understood the processes which i have described as generally characteristic of alcohol are seen to a very marked extent in the liver there is a chronic congestion and there is very frequently various forms of degeneration in the hepatic cells and in many cases an increase in the connective tissue to such an extent as to cause the disease known as cirrhosis of the liver alcohol may also under certain circumstances produce such excessive fatty degeneration in the liver as in itself to be a menace to existence for if the liver ceases to do its proper work the whole minute nutritive chemistry the metabolism of the body breaks to pieces the liver stands an enormous amount of use and abuse and it is one of the last organs to give way under great strain but when its functional processes do break down the existence of the individual is not much further prolonged the liver can consume and break down a certain amount of alcohol but when more is poured into it than it can assimilate some of it must go through into the general circulation and over the body flowing to the brain and poisoning this organ and the other nervous tissues the action of alcohol on the nervous tissues constitutes in the eyes of the majority the main injury that alcohol does to a human being certain it is that the action of alcohol on the brain does more to distort and pervert a man's relationship with his environment than any other action which alcohol has on the body it is through the poison of this organ that the personality of the individual is so changed and so poisoned that a degeneration of the individual in character and morals is brought about it is here too that the widest differences of tolerance and intolerance to alcohol are shown some men may consume enormous quantities and their mental balance apparently remain intact other individuals cannot take a single glass of wine without being distinctly affected by it or rendered unmistakably drunken the gross injuries found in the brain of those dying from the effects of alcohol are partly due to the effect of alcohol on the circulation and the injury to the blood vessels thus diminishing the nutrition of the brain and injuring the brain tissue itself and besides as we have seen in other viscera to the increase in connective tissue 
it is not necessary here to go into the details of the minute formation of the cells how each cell is formed of a cell body and many branches as one may conceive growing like a tree or bush with the many branches stretching out and touching other branches of related and adjacent cells when these dendrites or branches are in contact there is an interrelationship between the processes of the two cells alcohol causes a retraction of the tiny branches one from another and the cells are dissociated so that the mental processes become dissociated from each other and the cells themselves degenerate and are unable to carry on their functions thus we see the functions of memory and of the reproduction of images by memory prevented the inability of the mind to reason through the inability of the mind to call up former experiences feelings and ideas and a weakening of the power of each cell to take in impressions every person who drinks alcohol to excess will not show every form of mental deterioration that may be produced by excessive indulgence and the degree of deterioration in intelligence which goes to make up the sum total of mentality varies greatly in different individuals all who drink alcohol to excess however show some diminution in their judgment judgment means the power of recalling various memories of perceptions through the senses which have come in from the outside world memories of ideas memories of emotions and all the complicated association of ideas that these bring up and in the recalling of them weigh each one with the other and judge of the value between them this also means reasoning and decision for action this power of reasoning and judging is weakened in the alcoholic and in any brain long poisoned by alcohol it is an impossibility to exercise it memory itself is also weakened there is excessive forgetfulness of the recent past and in some cases of advanced alcoholism there is absolute forgetfulness of wide gaps of years a man may be unable to remember anything from the last five minutes back for twenty years and then remember back to childhood the memories of childhood are more easily stamped on the brain than are those of adult life both because it takes less to impress a child and because there is not the complexity of ideas crowding into the brain nor the complexity of association of ideas to be recorded therefore memories of childhood make a deeper impress and last longer and so the complex memories of the adults are the first to be forgotten in the alcoholic and those of childhood remain
Effect upon memory and judgment. Besides the absolute forgetfulness, there is another form of forgetfulness in the alcoholic, which often produces a ludicrous result. This is a perversion of memory. The person may be in a perfectly strange place and meet strangers, and yet to be convinced that he has seen the place and met the strangers before, and greet them as old friends. This feeling of having been there before occurs in normally healthy people, and may be simply the expression of momentary fatigue, or proceed from some unknown cause. But it is grossly exaggerated in the alcoholic, and cannot as easily be straightened out as in the normal mind. The imaginative faculties of the mind are at first heightened by alcohol, and this often produces bright, witty remarks in those who have taken enough alcohol to have their imaginations stimulated and their judgment slightly inhibited, so that their ideas crowd readily to their minds and their tongues are loosened. Often, however, they say things which, though bright and witty, had better be left unsaid, and this is an indication of the beginning paralysis of their judgment. The imaginative faculties, however, are not constructively increased by alcohol, and it does not conduce to reproduction and creative ability, which requires memory and constructive thought. In this connection, Kraepelin's experiments have shown that alcohol makes easy the liberation of movements from the cortical areas of the brain, that is, the transformation of ideas and memories of movements into deeds, but no real mental power is given. For, while a man may feel that he is doing things better with than without alcohol, as a matter of fact, he is not doing them so well. This sense of self-approbation is very characteristic of the alcoholic. His judgment is gone, not only in regard to his mental processes, but very essentially regarding himself. And it may be truly said that while alcohol shrinks the judgment, it swells the self-conceit. This abnormally good opinion of his diminished abilities renders the alcoholic exceedingly complacent. He is persuaded that at any time he can give up drinking if he chooses, and he is unable to appreciate the rapid deterioration of his intellect. One cannot separate the will of an individual from his personality, and the weak-willed individuals, while they may possess many other agreeable characteristics, are lacking in the progressive force which strong characters possess. Alcohol weakens the will causes the personality itself to deteriorate, and there is a lack of initiative.
there is the ever-ready specious explanation why nothing is ever done there is a boastful conceited estimation of what can be done with the judgment perverted the alcoholic cannot act at the proper time in the right way no matter how much he may be willing to admit the necessity for correct action and on the other hand he is equally powerless to prevent wrong action on his part especially when such action has anything to do with a further indulgence in his alcohol the emotional side of the personality shows the same deterioration from the higher to the lower as do the other intellectual processes it is the same story that the last to come are the first to go and the first to come are the last to go all emotions of refinement those of the aesthetic development disappear the earliest the sense of affection and moral responsibility duty to family and friends deteriorate and vanish there is nothing left but the consideration of what affects the self and an alcoholic is the most studied selfish soul that exists the remaining emotions of anger fear and nutritional reaction for food and drink remain to the last as these are the most primitive of the emotions with the weak will preventing action and with the loss of memory and inability for continuity of thought we find the emotion of fear predominating to a very noticeable extent this is true whether the alcoholic be delirious or not for in all forms of alcoholic delirium fear is a very predominant symptom in some forms of delirium tremens the intensity of the fear is a fair criterion of the degree of the poisoning the various senses of sight hearing and taste are dulled because the cells producing the mental perceptions are equally poisoned with the rest of the mind weakening the moral fiber with the inaccuracy of sense perception and loss of memory and diminished judgment one cannot be surprised to find that alcoholics are notoriously inaccurate unreliable and untruthful they cannot tell the truth even with assistance but often what is credited to them as untruthfulness is mere inability to perceive things accurately to remember accurately and therefore to state things accurately with the deterioration of the personality that is of the will one would naturally expect that the deterioration of morals would go hand in hand one cannot remain moral or virtuous without sufficient will to do so and without sufficient will to make a struggle for self-control 
and this is so in the case of a mind poisoned by alcohol i do not claim that lack of morals is a disease but moral development has appeared late in the development of the race and such racial development is expressed by the individual with the deteriorated mentality of the alcoholic we must expect that the characteristics of late development will be the first to go and for this reason we must realize that alcoholism naturally tends to immorality and crime as a matter of fact it is claimed that fifty per cent of the crimes in france and forty one per cent in germany are due to alcoholism and no doubt in england and america the percentage is equally high as might be expected the offences are principally those of disregard of the rights of others contempt of law and order assaults disturbances of domestic peace and robbery and to all these crimes the habitual drunkard is particularly prone but it is not my purpose to discuss the effect of alcohol in any way except as it pertains to the human body nor to go into the reasons why men so poison their bodies as to bring about these deleterious results the deterioration that we have been considering when occurring in the mind would naturally cause one to infer that insanity must also be common in those who are addicted to alcohol and such is indeed the case in new york state alone i believe it can be safely said that fully ten per cent of the women and thirty per cent of the men confirmed in the state asylums are there through forms of insanity caused by alcohol it will not profit us to go into the various forms of alcoholic insanity but when we realize that one-third of the men in the insane asylums today in new york are there because of excessive indulgence in alcohol and also that the state spends annually over six million dollars to care for them we realize both the terrible ravages that alcoholic poison has made on the mentality of men and the enormous cost that it entails upon the community as to the alcoholic circulating in the blood there is an endeavor naturally to get rid of it as with all poisons and the kidneys in this endeavor show the same processes that are elsewhere seen of destruction of the specific cells congestion and increased connective tissue growth whether it is that these cells are destroyed in an endeavor to eliminate various substances 
for which they are not fitted and break down under the strain, or whether they are directly poisoned by the alcohol itself, the resultant factors are those best understood in the lay mind as acute and chronic Bright's disease. Whether or not alcohol produces these various processes in the kidneys, which result in these diseased conditions, there is no question but that certain of these diseased conditions appear more frequently in alcoholics than in others. Besides the destructive processes about which we have been speaking in the various viscera, there are certain results of alcohol that may be said to affect the general condition of the individual. By this I mean the general resistance to bacterial infection, the resistance to injury to the body, and the ability to repair such injuries. Alcohol diminishes the power of the body to resist bacterial infection. The alcoholic is more prone to acquire bacterial diseases, and when these are acquired, he is infinitely less able to resist them. In Bellevue Hospital in 1904, there were 1,001 patients with lobular pneumonia. Of these, 667 gave a history of alcoholism. 334 were non-alcoholics, which means that there were twice as many alcoholics suffering from this disease as non-alcoholics. Among the alcoholics, the mortality was 50%, and among the non-alcoholics, 23.9%. Here, again, mortality among the alcoholics was more than double that which prevailed among those who had not taken this narcotic. The same is true of other infectious diseases. When injuries occur to the body, such as broken legs or arms, there is a very wide difference in the picture produced in those who have drunk to excess and those who have been sober. The shock produced in these instances is greater in the weakened nervous system of the alcoholic, and many among those who have habitually taken alcohol, there is a very great tendency, after broken bones, to develop delirium tremens, and when this occurs in these patients, the outlook is always very grave. A broken leg or arm does not bring with it any such danger to those who have led sober lives. The process of recovery from disease and accident, owing to the deteriorated nervous system and the poisoned circulatory system, is much slower in alcoholics than in others. Weak Wills Inherited Unfortunately, the injury which alcohol does, and the processes of deterioration which it sets on foot, do not end with the individual. Alcohol poisons and injures the germ cells of both sexes, and the offspring of those addicted to its use may inherit a weakened and injured nervous system. The taste for alcohol, the craving, so-called, is not inherited. This idea that 
because a man has an alcoholic father or mother he inherits the taste for alcohol is a superstition that has been used by the weak as an excuse both for overindulgence in alcohol and as a further excuse why no attempt should be made to check their indulgence what is inherited is a weak unstable intellect and personality prone to excesses in all things one that is weak-willed and weak in resistance to temptation and one more easily affected by alcohol than the ordinary normal individual there is also often inherited a lack of moral perception and moral sense causing the individual to do things which make one doubt his sanity yet he cannot be called insane but really wanders in the borderline between mad and bad which is often worse than insanity itself alcoholic inheritance does not stop at instability of the nervous system or weakness of the personality and one is rather staggered to realize the high percentage of imbecile epileptic and weak-minded children that may be born to alcoholic parents a detailed study of the imbecile school children throughout all switzerland showed that fifty per cent of them were born in the days nine months after the periods of greatest alcoholic indulgence such as the new year the carnival and the grape harvest and that the births of the other half of the imbeciles were evenly scattered through the remaining thirty-eight weeks of the year it has been shown that in france germany poland and switzerland from twenty-eight to seventy per cent of the epileptics in some of the institutions were the descendants of alcoholics dim in comparing the results of the health and death rates between ten alcoholic families and ten non-alcoholic families found that in the alcoholic families out of fifty-seven children twenty-five were still born or died in the first month of life twenty-two were designated as sick and ten as healthy while in the non-alcoholic families five were still born or died early six were sick and fifty were healthy thus only seventeen point five per cent in the alcoholic families were healthy while eighty two per cent in the non-alcoholic families were healthy and only eighteen per cent not healthy the percentages therefore were almost exactly reversed these statistics mean that not only may the chronic alcoholic bequeath his poisoned nervous system to posterity but from the statistics in switzerland of the imbecile children we must realize that even a temporary debauch may leave a curse upon the innocent child they also mean that alcohol produces those processes in the individual which tend to the degeneration of the race and tend after a few generations to extinction and thus does nature benefit the race by turning a curse 
into a blessing through the extinction of the degenerate. End of section 15 Recording by John Thomas Kuzmarski www.validateyourlife.com End of Habits That Handicap by Charles B. Towns